Hello and welcome to Spokecast. I'm Natalie Amber. I'm an actress and all around creative. I'm beautifully impaired. I get around on a pair of wheels. I'm Claire McNulty and I'm quite fabulous. I have MS, which is multiple sclerosis. This podcast series, we're just having a good, honest chat about all the taboos around disability, exploring sex, relationships and anything in between. Nothing, Claire, is off limits. Well, you don't need to tell me about that, Natalie. Just a warning, in this podcast there may be a few naughty words that accidentally fall out of mine and Claire's mouths, or maybe not accidentally, um, as we address some adult themes. Hello and welcome to Spokecast 101. So this podcast is just an honest chat with two crips about sexuality and disability and in this episode the social model of disability. Yeah because we thought we couldn't do the first series without sort of laying down the foundations of of the disabled community and just talking about um, terminology. Claire I've got a burning question right because both of us have become disabled later on in life. Yeah. Do you know what the social model is? Or have you ever heard of the social model? Well, I've heard you talking about it because we were talking about it the other week when we were drafting the podcast. But at the moment, I don't know what it is still. So please explain that. And I think this is the problem, right? Because I only knew about it a few years into being disabled. Um, so the social model, it's was it's been around since the 70s and 80s. And it's about... It's society's attitudes and the barriers that society places that makes us disabled. Because if we lived in a world that everywhere access was everywhere, then we're not disabled. We may have an impairment or um, a disability of some sort, but we're equal in the world because we can access everything. I understand that. So it's the world that's making us disabled rather than our disabilities. Yeah. It's... So if it were, like, say for instance, if I'm in a wheelchair, so if I can't get into a building and because there's no ramps, it's not my fault. It's the fact the building doesn't have ramps. Whereas before or we still are a lot of people address us in what's called the medical model of disability so what's that so that's where you're defined by i say in quotation marks what is wrong with you or what medically is going on and it's all about what you can't do and you're just med completely medicalized um so but yes, we've got impairments, we do things the way that we are. But you see, if you treat people like in the medical model, then we're always going to be othered and not seen as equals. We're more than, I'm more than what's wrong with my body. What does it actually say, the medical model? The medical model is, it's what's wrong with you. And that's how you're identified. It becomes your identity. Um, and everything is surrounded that so it's more about what you can't do and it's more that there's something wrong with you that should be fixed do you feel like there's something wrong with you there's always been something wrong with me claire no but in terms of disability um no like my body's dysfunctional in its way that it, it does and yes i've got things that don't work and that 
but it doesn't it doesn't define who I am as a person. You're not looking to win the Olympics or anything like that. Oh, you, you want me to be inspirational? Claire? Yeah, I want you to be inspiration do you, porn. Do you want me, oh, Claire. <laughs> Well, I'd love to say I, I could be an Olympian, but I can't be asked. <laughs> I know. I Even just... if I could, I wouldn't want to be. No, it's not down my street, that. No. No, no I just can't be asked. Yeah, we don't all want to be Paralympians. Um, and it, that's the thing, you see. So we're treated as though we're something other. And the medical model really does that because it's almost putting cotton wool over you. Like, we need to fix you. We need to cure you. Oh, look after there the disabled something... person. Yeah, you must want to be fixed. Oh. Well... No, I just want to be able to access a world that's equal. I just want to be able to reach a sandwich on the top shelf. Thank you. Thank you. Or somebody just wants to be able to read someone's facial expressions, um, to lip read, um, or have signs that they can understand. Can you read my facial expression now, Nat? Thanks, Claire. It's a beautiful facial expression, Claire. It's saying, tell me more about the uh, non-medical model, the social model. The social model. Yeah. The social model is that it's it's attitudinal barriers. And I think, personally, for me, attitudinal barriers are a lot worse than physical barriers often. Because often the attitudinal barriers cause the physical barriers. Because it's people, they either don't think about access or they can't be bothered. Or... um, the problems on you. Like if I rock up, it's like, oh my God, no, it's a wheelchair. Oh God, I've got to get the ramp out. Or just say we don't have one. But I think it comes down to education, you know. Um, it's it's really important that people aren't encouraged to see people, disabled people as other because it leads to so much. Like there's a rise in disability hate crime at the minute, which, which is crazy. Is there? Yeah, there, there's been a big spike in disability hate crime. Is that during lockdown or is that No, prior? it's been like over, I'd say, the last few years. Um, and the abuse that people get or get treated and think that it's fine, like we have no feelings um, and that we're easy prey, we're easy targets. Um, and I think it becomes even worse if you've got um, a learning disability um, um, or you're autistic um, because... You're even more vulnerable, I think. It's easy to mock disabled people, but what most dis- most people who aren't disabled don't realise is that we all carry weapons in concealed in our wheels and our wee wee bags. Do you know what? I once, there was a bloke on the plane. Sorry. So, <laughs> I was going to Gibraltar, right? Got on the EasyJet plane. They wouldn't let me book an aisle seat, right? And they wait till everybody's on the plane till they get you on. And they bring you on and they strap you into this tiny little chair that's a bit like what the ambulance people do. So everyone's watching as you get dragged down the aisle. And I and the guy went... So the guy that was helping me get into the chair just said to the passenger, can you swap... Are you able to swap seats? So you're in the middle one so we can put the end. Nope, I booked an aisle seat. I'm not moving. Right, so the guys were like, oh God, what, we're just going to have to lift you over the top of his head to get him in, to get us in, right? So it was, I've got, I have, I've got quite a long leash on my pee bag. 
Yeah, well, it nearly hit him in the face. I know, I've I've nearly been hit with that wee wee bag a few a few times. Yes, but yours is never intentional. Mine was quite intentional. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but you see, that's what that's that's the kind of thing. And then he looked at me in horror that it was even there. I suppose anxiety can be quite debilitating though, and if he had his yeah, own anxiety, his own anxiety about and his issues, yeah. You know, needing a quick escape because the plane's gonna crash, then you know, I just wouldn't expect any help from him getting on the dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> Claire, I wouldn't have any help. I'd be stuck in my seat when the plane had gone down. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, just looking at the stats with hate crimes, you know that 9 out of 10 learning disabled people have experienced hate crime. Um, but yet, they don't feel empowered enough to even report it or, or maybe, have the capacity to report it. Maybe they don't recognise it as abuse because it's just a usual pattern of behaviour that people become used to. And that's it. Because disabled women are seven times more likely to be sexual abused than non-disabled women. What What's the rationale for that? It's shocking. Because um, you're in a more vulnerable state. Because you're less um, likely to be able to get away. Yeah, or even understand. Because, you know, if someone doesn't is not grown up and taught what consent is, or what a relationship, a proper relationship should be, or how somebody's being, then they're left. Then they're not armed with anything. So maybe we should talk about consent and say, what is consent? And for me, it is permission to even touch someone or... You know, it's not necessarily, you know, it's a verbal permission that is necessary on any sexual or something leading towards that engagement. I think it's really, it's really important. And I think, I mean, let's face it, sex education at school and that has always been really rubbish in a mainstream school, let alone in an SEN school. And just one more statistic which is shocking. It's estimated that between 65 to 80% of women and 40 to 50% of men who are either deaf, neurodiverse or disabled will be a victim of sexual assault in their lifetime. Oh, that's interesting, but I'd be more interested to hear, you know, a more representative view that encompasses non-binary people as well within those statistics because it feels like they've been completely erased from that research no i agree it's that it's either men or women and it's always men or women but it's not always that binary is it no and you just all you're doing is excluding another section of society and doing exactly what you're doing with the rest of rest of us it's just you know if we can break down stereotypes just humanize people and educate people and For me, it always starts at school. You know, if you had a fully inclusive curriculum that growing up, you learn about the social model, you have a fully embedded sexual education that covers consent, that includes everybody and how they can access that information. So someone who's non-disabled and someone who's learning disabled will process that information very differently, so need a different approach. Um, and, you know, there are some great places that are doing it, like, and that offer that help and support, but it's whether schools are taking it up, and it's very slow on the uptake, because I think sometimes pe- people are scared, but you can't just do it as an add-on, it has to be part of the mainstream bit of education. Like, 
So, like, what, like, what was your sex ed like at school? Diabolical. Humorous. <laughs> um, Did you have the banana and the condom? No, we had, like, um, a sort of um, concrete sculpture that we had to roll oh. stuff on. Oh, you got a more advanced approach. I just remember it being about safe sex, safe sex, um, and nothing about consent, nothing about protecting yourself as a woman, um, self-defense if someone tries to rape you. <laughs> you know, these are things that I'd like to be learning in sex ed. And I, But the sad thing is, like, I was the same. Like, literally, it was a science teacher pulling out a condom, doing the whole biological bit, Oh, and by the way, this is what you. This is how you put a condom on. Use it and use the pill. You'll be all right. Kind of approach, and that was it. I went for a screening, a sexual health screening, um, recently because um, it's been very limited. Um, the services that the genital urinary medicine have been offering, um, and I think that that's not really recognised in sexual education as well, um, or psychosocial education is it now i'm not sure that, yeah it's it was something like that yeah, yeah. No, it's it, something like that that's what it was called when i was at school but, um but the clinic has been offering limited services i was tested for a whole wealth of things that i didn't realize existed and i've had a career in nursing i've done you know um placements at, at the at the gum clinic you know and there were things that were new to me you know so it's um, a constant learning curve, isn't it? I think sexual ed and consent. Yeah, no, I do. Um, it, it just needs to change. And it slowly is changing in some places, but not quick enough. Um, and especially kids these days, they're so susceptible to access porn really easy and not understand it. So Claire, right, what don't you call people who are disabled? Um, you don't do this. Uh, you don't call them a spaz. You don't call them. Um, don't call them a mong. Um, you don't call them a crip. Um, you can say crip about yourself if you are crip. You can. Yeah. I like to say spaz about myself, but yeah. I would get very annoyed if anyone else said that. No. Yeah. Well, because it's your choice to self-identify how you want to identify. It's an empowering term for yeah, me, like yeah. queer. It, it was an insult, and now, actually, it's mine, and I own it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I own a spaz all the time, because my brain just, just does things very backward and doesn't always function with my mouth. But I'd never call you a mong, Nat. Oh, thank you, Claire. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, because, do you know what? It's the meaning behind words when you're talking to people or referring to anyone. It's the intonation. It, it's, it's, it's like... If you think before you speak and you get in a bit of a it, feeling that, oh, God, is it doesn't sound right, I'm going to say it. You know it's wrong, you know, and terminology Oh, not changes. necessarily that it's wrong, that it's not, that it's not a, a term that people might be comfortable with. Yeah. It's, um, it's about the intention, though, isn't it, of what... Of what you're saying. I mean, for, for me, I mean, always questioning, do you even have to refer to someone's disability in the first place, like, unless it's in the context of a conversation that you're having, like, don't just rock up to somebody and go, oh, what's wrong with you? Yeah, sometimes I think people don't notice my disability, though, because it is, you know, communication-based and 
you know, I do need to explain that to people. So yeah, that's a bit different than someone just randomly walking up to you and going because you are having that conversation with somebody. Do you, do you get what I mean? Like yeah. you're initiating having the conversation to say to somebody, okay, um, I need I need to access this in this way. Matt Lucas spoiled it for me, you know, like, oh, I'm disabled, like, shut up, you know, no, you're not, you're cripping up for a start, and also, every time I say I'm disabled, I hear your voice now, taking the mick. Yeah, that, that's the thing, it's the, don't, it's the taking the piss, if I take the piss out of myself, that's absolutely fine. And what do we say to these people now, we say, we'll help you be disabled if you want. If you want to insult us, oh. Natalie will run over your toes. I run over your toes. See how you feel. <laughs> we can help like you empathise. like those empathize. people that walked, as we were reversing, decided to walk straight behind the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, put your foot down now. But it, and it, again, going back to the medical model, it's another barrier. Um, like The medical model is to assume something's wrong with somebody ask them what's wrong with them and it's another attitudinal barrier well i've been reading nietzsche lately and he says there's no right or wrong at all so um i i don't know if that's got anything to do with anything but (laughs) (laughs) well no i tell you what wrong with me well should i tell you one word i really do hate and I, i like is the word normal i think normality is a bit of a performance anyway and I wrote a children's book a few years ago. It, it wasn't published or anything, so it's not, you know, swish. I, wrote, I didn't. It's, it's on the slate. It's line. in a notebook in my drawer. Um, <laughs> but there was one line from it that I remember, and it just stayed with me. And it's like, normality is a transient term, and nothing from normal do I care to learn. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that we've given you a little bit of food for thought. Now, if you have been affected by anything that we have discussed today, um, you can find links on both our Twitter and our Instagram feed to organisations that can offer help and support. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spokecast101 or you can email us at Spokecast101 at gmail.com. And that is goodbye from us, I think, Natalie. It is goodbye from us, Claire. Bye. Bye. Bye.